0: Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. On this episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by Chris Johnson and Trevor Clements, both expat teachers and now currently residing in Brunei. Bandar seri Begawan to be exact. And we talk about how they got to where they are today. There's some really great stories in there too. On the music front, uh, we talk about finding gigs and like-minded musicians. Is it easy to find bandmates? We also take a deeper look at their current project which is called Mama Got a Jukebox and I'll let them explain in greater detail of course. At the beginning of the episode you hear Trevor telling us all about his expat adventures and how it all started for him. Here's Trevor and Chris.
1: It's well I kind of fell into teaching by accident uh, overseas you know I was in my last year of undergrad And, uh, you know, racking up debt and worrying about what I was going to do when they started wanting me to pay that back. And, uh, you know, where I'm from, East Coast of Canada, uh, there's not a lot of jobs. So there was a lot of recruiters on the universities. And it seemed like everybody knew somebody that was in Japan or in Korea or something. So I just, uh, I kind of, one day I got it in my head, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I could do that, you know, because I didn't study anything that would give me a job. You know, I, I was 25 when I went to university and I just, I was like, hmm, I like reading. I like philosophy. So I did a double major in English and philosophy, you know, not, not something that you find many jobs listed in the newspaper for, you know, but then I just, I, I mentioned, I think I did about 20 or 30 minutes surfing the internet. And then I went and I was, I was talking to my roommate and I said, Oh yeah, maybe I'll go to Asia and try to teach. And he's like, Oh, my niece is teaching in Korea. Here's her email address, send her an email. So I, I literally just sent her an email and said, you know, do you like it? You know, what's it like? And she said, Oh yeah, I like it. And my best friend is a recruiter. Here's her email address. So like within about like a couple of days I was offered a job in Korea <laughs> and, uh, that's kind of how, and that was back in 2003. Time
0: flies and all that, eh?
1: Yeah, it certainly does. I thought it was going to be like four or five years, pay off debts and back to Canada. And well, a couple countries later, <laughs> here I am.
2: Yeah, we've all been there.
0: I guess you could say you're still, you're just working on it, right? That's, the, that's yeah. how we, we yeah. usually get there. Yeah. And yeah. Chris, how about yourself? Is yours a similar... A story to... Very
2: similar, yeah. I mean, I I kind of fell into teaching for want of something else to do. Ended up in Hungary for seven years, working for a family out there. Um, We we had to go back to the UK after the language school we were running went bust. And I'm in Brunei now, purely because alphabetically Brunei and Budapest are fairly close together. And they (laughs) come up on the same search page when I was looking for jobs.
0: Is Canberra next on the list or...
2: Canterbury, maybe I could say it could, yeah. be. I was, it could no, be one Keter. of those. <laughs> I, I didn't read past B, to be honest. It was, it was, um, was timing for a job. So <laughs> yeah, we ended up here. It's been good, to be fair. It's a, it's a happy accident.
1: I think my wife found me the job in Brunei. You know, because I, I'd, I'd done eight years in Korea, then back to Canada for education degree, and then I went to Abu Dhabi for two years. Back to Canada, tried again in Canada, didn't work was in Mongolia for a year back to Korea and I, I was teaching elementary kids and I was like well it's just I don't fit here at all I, I, I didn't know what to do with those little creatures at all and so I started looking for other jobs and my wife was looking online too and she found this you know one in Brunei you know paid well it's tropical weather and uh, I applied and they decided that I was worthy I guess and <laughs> I ended up here too.
0: And what did both of you teach then since we're kind of in that ballpark?
1: We we both
2: teach English. I I work with extremely small children. So you know the 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 pinnacle of my achievement is getting them to tell me whether or not the dog is furry and how many legs the cat has. But um, I guess
0: it depends what kind of cat you're
2: you're talking about, right? (laughs) Some of some of the cats in
0: Southeast Asia, man, or dogs for that matter, they're. uh...
2: On average, how many legs does a cat have? I think it's fair to say. Or a typical cat. Um, yeah. Very, very basic English to very, very small children.
1: It's been fun, to be fair.
0: And Trevor, your age group, is it similar to Chrissy's? Or? Uh,
1: right now I'm teaching, uh, uh, I have a couple grade 11 classes and a grade 9 class. So we, we work for the same company, but uh, our company basically contracts teachers from different countries to teach here in Brunei, and they put us in the public schools, so... We sort of have two bosses because we have whoever our principal is at our school, but our company is sort of subcontracting out to the Ministry of Education. So actually, maybe we have three bosses. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I guess since we're talking about where where you guys are both located in Brunei, if anyone's uh, listening, well, hopefully someone's listening, but anyone's listening and they're interested and they think, yeah, well, number one, where is it? I think we know, right? Uh, At least I. I think I know where it is but, you know where is it what's it like there because it's quite um, exotic let's put it that way.
2: In, in Borneo when I first came across the notion of teaching in Brunei I assumed, I think as most people do that it was in the Middle East I think of Brunei I think of oil I think of the Middle East but uh, no Borneo we're just on the north west coast of Borneo very very tiny country, about four hundred thousand people. It, it's, it's been a nice place to be. I would um, I'd bring the temperature down just a little bit, I think, <laughs> um, if I had the choice. But overall, it, it's been a good six years here.
1: Like you said, it's on Borneo. Uh, we're surrounded by Malaysian, by, you know, by Malaysia. We're a tiny little country. Apparently, at one point in history, I think Brunei ruled most of Borneo. In fact, I'm not sure, but I think Borneo and Brunei sound kind of similar. So maybe the names were uh, related at some point, but yeah, it's on the island of Borneo. So, you know, you got Malaysia surrounding us and then we're not so far away from Indonesia as well. That's also on the other side of uh, Borneo. It's, it's, I mean, it's a nice place. It's uh, like Chris said, it's, you know, it's a, it, it's a Muslim country. We're under Sharia law, but, it's in Southeast Asia. It's not in the Middle East, and I found find that the the Southeast Asian culture makes it a lot different than the Middle East because I taught there too.
0: It's a bit more laid back or a bit more relaxed. They seem might...
1: very, yeah, like they're 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 quite they're quite liberal. I mean, I mean, there's a king here shook his hands a few times, you know, at like kind of events where you get you would
0: give Brunei a thumbs up on the the standard of living the. Education, well, the education system is maybe another question altogether. But, you know, to go there... Well, that, is that's a, us. The education
2: system is brilliant. I mean, we, okay, we do great. It's obviously great. Uh, yeah, Brunei has been a, a really nice place to be. Um, in sort of typical expatriate terms, everything you need here is very easily available. Not always everything you want, but um, we can still get Marmite. And um, I think that's the most important thing.
0: All right, there's this kind of underground market for obscure <laughs> obscure Western goods, yeah.
1: It's a fairly sleepy little country as far as like other places in Southeast Asia goes. Like if you think, I've been to most countries in Southeast Asia except for maybe one or two. And, you know, you think of a place like Thailand where it's uh, a big tourism place, a lot of, you know, the big full moon parties. Brunei is a different, different place. I mean, it's there's no bars here if you're an expat you can bring a small amount of alcohol in uh, for yourself you know people have house parties but it's you know it's not the sort of party central place you know it's a a laid-back kind of relaxed sort of place which is fine for me Very because i'm quiet. old you know
0: for sure trevor hit on something earlier just as we're going to a nice segue into our kind of musical chat but he said there's no bars or at least not in the context of what we know as a, a bar in Southeast Asia, of which there are, yeah, many. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, there's no home day here. What's it like it, then to play as a
0: musician, Trevor? What, What's the, how do you get around <laughs> this? How, where do you play? I guess uh, that's my question.
1: Okay, well, uh, the previous band I was in before uh, what we're doing now, Mama's Got a Jukebox, uh, I was in a band and we played a lot over in Malaysia. Uh, a two hour drive you're in miri, Malaysia, where they do have bars there's a small small town as well uh which we can't cross the border now because of the uh you know the end of the world and everything but it's like a town that wouldn't exist if Brunei sold alcohol because there's really nothing there except for like a bunch of bars It's like people cross Brunei, buy their alcohol, or go to a bar and come back so that's an option, and if you're not Muslim you're allowed to drink alcohol like on your private property here right so if we can go in like i don't drink myself but we can go out and we're allowed to bi- to buy 12 or is it 24 beer and two um, bottles of wine beers or something and
2: two 2 liters of something else Some, yeah.
1: something so there's a lot of house parties and there's there's other ways that people can get stuff that they call it the milkman but he doesn't sell milk and it's a little more expensive than driving across so stuff happens at house parties and then there's like the there's two yacht clubs i believe they have some kind of they're allowed to have alcohol They, they don't sell it but you can bring your own there and drink it there so there's that and i've been to a few sort of gigs that were just not alcohol but uh, I played it one, and then two weeks later, the place was raided by immigration. So I kind of I stayed away from that <laughs> after that because okay. I was like, you know, <laughs> that would be bad, you know, because I don't make my money playing music. I still need that work visa. <laughs>
0: well, sadly, many of us are in the same boat, Trevor. To pardon the pun, right? But it's uh, yeah. Why don't you tell us about the new band, Chris? How did you get together with? Because there's quite a few band members, right? There's five or six of you at least, and. What the project's
2: all about? Okay, well, the, the band's called Mama Got a Jukebox. Why, I don't know. It just came up one night in, in conversation. Um, the band came about because, I think, because of the fact there is no live music in Brunei. If you want to go and hear a band, the easiest way to do it is go and form one. So we, we got a lot of um, expat musicians together. We used it once a month in my back room. We called it people for music and people would come along and they'd play w- whatever they could. People of all abilities, if you knew three chords or you were a virtuoso, you were equally welcome. It, it was just a, a lovely night out, almost like being out in the pub. Right. Almost like going to sing a live band. <laughs> okay. A few beers in and, and do that. And you know, my house became a, a venue for that for a while. A few of us within that group, Wix and I, um, Wix the singer, decided that we would cherry pick from this group and um, find some people who would form a band and come out and gig. And as it turned out, record because that's what we enjoy. Um, the whole
0: yeah. yeah, maybe to take it to the next level. It's one thing enjoying it in a kind of house environment and everyone is having a nice time, and it's a bit like Trevor was saying, maybe this house party kind of feel, but. If you're used to it, or it's something you've done in the past, then the inclination might be uh, there already.
2: But but at my place, um, this this group that we had, we were all playing. There was no audience. There was never any of that sense of performance and that sense of just enjoying that buzz you get with the audience. That the sort of little relationship you build up. Um, It was like a jam. Everybody show up and everybody jammed. Yeah. So from that, we. We got a few people together who fancied performing, and that's how the band came together. And I can't, I'm really happy that it did. It's been a it's been a lot of fun, and it's uh, something that's helped me to stay sane. I think <laughs> over the last couple of years. And
0: the current project has how many members, Trevor?
1: Uh, is Izzy back in the band?
2: I believe so. Uh, she 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 comes and she goes.
1: I think there's. Is there six of us now? Uh, hold on, there's me, Chris, Wicks, Steele, you. Hello, Am I missing anybody? Rory? Rich. What? Huh? It's, it's
2: about six now, I think. We...
1: there's about six of us. Yeah, there's about six and
2: for a-
0: Is it quite hard to find like-minded people? I mean, if they're all meeting at Chrissy's place or someone else's house, maybe the, the words got out that this, this is the place to go if you're if you're into a jam or you're just wanting to.
2: A... oh the, the, the word got out that um, this is a place to go if um, well, initially if you if you play music if you're into a jam then the word got out this is where you go if you're a bit odd a bit weird <laughs> a little bit sort of psychotic it, it got a little bit weird at times, which is one of the reasons that we narrowed it down to um, just the band. But I, I think that in itself was really valuable, I say valuable, really nice. Yeah, I, just, I think when you, when you have such a limited group of people who, who are into what you do. If I was back in the UK now, I might go, I, I want to form a band. And I want to form a band who plays like this. And I could advertise and I could find musicians who play like this. Whereas here you can't do that. So I just want to meet some people who play music and we come together and we make things from our own influence. And I think that been a really important part of you know, m- making the band how it, how it turned out.
0: Excuse me Chris, you all come from a similar background? I mean you're working in a similar industry or?
2: Uh, our, our drummer well, is now Trevor. So yeah we're all teachers now actually. Um, The guy who stood in for Trevor for a little while, another expat um, from the Philippines. He worked in construction, but yet now we are all um, are all teachers trying to get away from the horrors of our day job.
1: (laughs) But you know, I've uh, actually I I find that you know music is everywhere, and you know you'll find those people. Like probably for the first year I was here, I I I didn't play, I didn't meet anybody. I don't know how long it was six or seven, eight months. I was living in this house and maybe it was like, I didn't meet anybody around there. And then I moved to this apartment and somebody said, Oh yeah, there's a a guy across the hall from you that works for the same company. So I went over to introduce myself. And when I went over, he was buying a piano for his daughter. And I said, Oh, do you play music? I said, I play music. And he said, no, I don't. This is for my daughter. But, uh, you know, uh, my friend has a band and their drummer is about to uh, move out of the country and they're going to be looking for somebody. So I, my first time sort of finding an actual band kind of happened by accident. So I actually do think there are a lot of music uh, musicians here and there even is a local scene. But like most places, it, uh, it might take you some time to, to find it. But once you find it, then you're in it. You know, the same thing happened in Korea. I was in Korea for two years before, I think, before I really got in a band because I was in Kyungju the first year, small town. There weren't that many musicians. Uh, I did meet some play- people and then, uh, you know, but we all lived in different towns. So we just, we came together when we could and we play, you know, it's like email. We're going to play these songs. Everybody learn them then show up and hope it goes well, you know. <laughs>
0: Which leads into another segue about the the song that you sent me, in. and yes, Trevor, I listened to it several times. It would be it would be <laughs> oh, it would be remiss of me if I didn't, you know. So uh, yeah, we all have to put the extra hours in, right? But thanks for doing that, and there was a nice little press release that went with it as well. Who would like to tell us about this particular part of the band and what it means and the,
2: the song, Dolores? Um...
0: Yeah, we should I think. The, the name of the song that you sent me and the video on YouTube that goes along with it is called
2: Dolores, Dolores. about the, um, the 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 girl who sang for the cranberries. That that, that came up because um, we were looking for covers. We were, we were doing purely covers to to start out and um Zombie came up. And it was a great song to play and we all knew it and We'd all been kind of touched by it in, in some way previously, but not all of the band knew where that song came from. So we, we started to dig through the back catalogue and realised this was the thing about a lot of the Cranberry's material, that we've all heard it somewhere, we've all been touched by it or all sparked by it when we hear it, but you, you don't necessarily need to be a fan of the band to, to be touched by that music. And it was, was weeks wrote this song and um, we yeah we we just kind of sang out to all of us it it was a a, a nice tribute to someone who's given a lot to music and a lot to humanity I think
0: because yeah it's a kind of I think anyone who's ever been in a pub ever or not been in a pub for that matter but has had access to a radio of some kind has probably heard the song zombie yes And, and if you have heard the song and you've seen the video with it the video is this She's kind of painted in the kind of gold finger type. That's right, yeah. She's kind of covered head to toe in gold. And there's a very uh, kind of emotive part of the song as well, right? And it's all about this uh, kind of this other thing that she's she's actually singing about that maybe some people don't know. The troubles. There you go, Trevor. Exactly right.
1: (laughs) Which I didn't know before. I'd heard the song on the radio when I was, you know, whatever, back in Canada and... I heard zombie, zombie, ah, and I just thought, okay, you know, maybe it's a song about, you know, somebody who's like a zombie, somebody who's on drugs, who knows, but it's actually got quite a intense story behind it. And I, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't joined this band and they wouldn't have, you know, if Wicks wouldn't have wrote this song, I never would have known the story behind it probably. So that's, uh, it's interesting to get sort of an education about something through playing it. Like I had the same thing when I was in Korea with the, with the spiritual husters, you know, where it's a Grateful Dead band. I didn't really know much about the dead before then. I I, I knew maybe the, the the really famous songs, you know, like Truckin' and Touch of Grey, but I didn't realize I had all these other stuff that are kinda of like jazzy and funky and stuff like that. I didn't really know much of the story of them. Yeah,
2: exactly. I, I think it's like what I was saying before about coming to places where there are smaller communities of musicians traveling the world, small communities of musicians who all want to play and you, you have no choice but to take on their influences. Yeah,
1: I, I uh, talk, agree. Uh, talking about the story you're <laughs> asking of Dolores too, we should probably tell the story of the wedding. Oh, you go. Okay. Okay. So a Bruneian guy that was my neighbor, the first place I lived when I was here, uh, asked me if my band was still playing because his daughter was getting married and he needed a band. And at the time, this was when I told you I'd kind of been in two bands, but I'd sort of stopped one and I was just getting back into Mama's. And I said, I'm not, I said, I'm not sure. Cause my other band, I think we're taking a break. And I said, but there's this other band that I was playing with and I'm, just kind of gotten back to them, and I'll I'll ask them. So I asked them. I said, "Do you want to play this uh, this wedding?" And they were kind of like, "I oh, you know I don't I don't know if we want to do a wedding. You know, we don't want to be worrying about like money and are we going to be good enough or are they going to like it?" Uh, These kind and of ex- so external
0: was, pressures.
1: Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. But the funny thing was, uh, so she's Bruneian, but her husband, the guy she married, is Australian Irish. And Dolores has this, I mean, because Dolores was the singer. of The Cranberries was an Irish thing. It's got that Irish connection. So, you know, we ended up, the guys in the band didn't want to do it because they were like, oh, we don't want to take money. We just want to play for, for fun and stuff like that. And I was like, I kind of reminded them that um, our mixing board is completely dead and they're going to give us money. You know, it's a wedding. They're going to probably pay us well. And we could probably get a new mixing board, something that we need. So I just... I shot the idea there. And at that point, I didn't even know if I would be in the band for the gig. I said, maybe you guys want to do it. Maybe you want me to be there or not. And eventually they came around to the idea. And then, so we went and we played the wedding and that family, there's a lot of people from Ireland there and they really kind of liked that song. And one guy like gave us a card and said, you know, when you record that song, you know, send it to us. And so he's been kind of working for us in Ireland and he did some kind, I don't know exactly what he did or how, you know, to what extent it was, but he did some sort of release of the song uh, in Ireland and he's trying to push it around in Ireland. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if we have any fans in Ireland. Maybe we do. But it's kind of interesting how that sort of, you know, connection and I think that that guy might have some connections. I'm not really sure. Uh, uh, Lecky maybe knows, like, he gave me his business card, but I don't know if anything will ever come of it, you know, like, obviously, I'm two years shy of 50 and I haven't made it yet. I'm I'm not expecting to make it in the music. Bit, you know, never say never, anything. Trevor. You never, you never say never. Never say never. But I guess the thing is, who knows? Ireland is a small country, and it's celebrating this Irish person. Who knows if they run with it? Maybe, maybe it could be one of those things. You know, like people say, oh, you know, we're big in Japan. Like, oh, we're big in Ireland.
0: The the video that accompanies this song. How did that come <laughs> together? Was it made by? Uh, your friends or how did you, what was the concept behind it?
2: The, the, the original concept, um, we, we looked at the, the, the video um, that the Cranberries did, I think it was owed to my family. Mm-hmm. It was a black and white video in a bar. Yeah, As, as we said there are no bars here so that, that wasn't gonna happen. There's a little island just off the coast here called Labuan. It belongs to Malaysia. Oh, it's, it's the most beautiful place. Uh, it's a duty-free, lawless hellhole, and it has an Irish bar. Um, the, the idea was we would go over to Labawan on the ferry. It takes about an hour, uh, for about two pounds. It's, it's great. And um, we'd come and do the bar, get a load of our friends in there, and um, try to recreate that old to My Family thing. Um, then COVID kicked in. We couldn't go anywhere, and we, we still can't leave the country now easily. We thought well, we'll find a warehouse. We'll find a warehouse and do that stereotypical rock band video of guys hitting guitars hard in warehouses, looking a little bit sad. <laughs> um, we couldn't find one of those either because uh, there are laws here about how many people can congregate in a place and whatever. So the video shot in. A car park underneath the shopping centre about two streets down from my house. I had to get there at 6 o'clock in the morning so there were no customers in. And um, that's, that's where it happened. Aldrin, the drummer that stood in while Trevor was away, really knows what he's doing with media and cameras and stuff. So he shot that with his, his team. And um, that, that was that. I'm, I'm quite, quite happy with the way it turned out. Um, it looks, I think it looks pretty good considering you know, we did it on zero budget and um, with sort of four GoPros on sticks I, I, I'm pretty happy with with the way that turned out and as, as Travis says I, I'm, I'm leaving Brunei in a few weeks that's gonna be a really nice memento take away from the place.
0: So the, the rest of the band do you think it will continue as both of you make your your exits from the country in the next uh, six a few weeks to six months time, do you think the band
2: will continue? I, so. I really hope so, I mean I I, hope so. I I don't I don't want to leave the band, I, it's, it's time for me to leave the country and um, the country, we, we've just come to the end of our road. In terms of the band, I would like to think that I could maybe contribute the art guitar solo to a A track. I mean, that's the beauty of the internet. Exactly.
0: um, Yeah, I was going to say there's all these options of remote recording,
2: or you can do it in your own little home studio. In in terms of playing live, though, obviously that's um, that's going to be the end of my road. Um, I am saddened by that. There there are a few things I'm going to miss about Brunei and the band, (laughs) the band of my friends. You know, that's that's. That's the bulk of it. I think. I think for all of us, when yeah, you know, when we leave a place, it's your friend and your main interest while you were there. That um, that is, is the thing that pulls at the heartstrings when you go.
0: Trevor, so, where can we where can we find the band? What's the the social okay. media aspect?
1: So, I don't know if we have an the audio out online yet because we just finished recording it not too long ago. But we did the videos out on YouTube. So. If you go on to YouTube and you search Mama got a Jukebox Dolores with an O, D O L O R O E S or whatever, uh it should it should come up. Uh I don't know if you have something on your website, I can send you the link if you wanna
2: if you if you could link below, as it were, that that'd be yes. greatly appreciated.
0: I put the link in our show notes and then they can uh yeah. they have yeah. access to it. Whoever they are.
1: Whoever they are.
0: well and <laughs> all. You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on Anchor.fm. Simply search for Can't Find My Way Home. On Instagram at Can't.FindMyWayHome. On Facebook at Expat Music Pod. Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts from, I'm pretty sure you'll find us there too. Until the next one, this is Craig saying, cheers.